The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Wagner and Winnick on the Law. For the next hour, Monterey College of Law's Dean Mitchell Winnick and law professor Stephen Wagner will discuss current legal events and public policy issues that are affecting our daily lives. They will not provide individual legal advice. If you have a specific legal problem, you're encouraged to contact a lawyer for legal assistance. If you do not have a lawyer, contact the local bar association or lawyer referral service in your community for recommendations. And now, here's Wagner and Winnick on the law. Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of Wagner and Winnick on the Law. I am San Luis Obispo College of Law Professor Stephen Wagner and I am solo today as my co-host Mitchell Winnick is in the great state of Texas visiting family and Mitch, we're going to try to struggle and get along without you today as we feature our guest today, Dustin Veriker, who is the chief beer ambassador at Discretion Brewing. That's right, Mitch. I found a way to get beer in as a topic once again. We've done it once before in connection with the 21st Amendment, and we'll probably have a, uh, an opportunity to talk about that again. So I wish you great and safe travels, Mitch, and we will try to get along without you, including struggling through a beer tasting that we'll try to do on the air. How's that? So, Dustin, welcome to the program. Program. Thanks, Stephen. Happy to be here. Yeah, you know, we, we've talked about the topic before and some of the laws connected to prohibition before. And we have long considered the idea of getting somebody in who can speak intelligently about uh, the brewing industry and specifically some of the laws. And uh, we know that you've been successful in your company, uh, Discretion Brewing. Um, I've been there and enjoyed uh, a couple of tilts myself, including some of the nice food that's offered there. And uh, thanks again for being here. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. So let's start with an, a little bit of a, uh, a background, how you got started on this. I think people think about craft brewing as it starts in a garage or something. And, you know, that's the case for so many uh, craft brewers these days that are popping up. Um, you know, discretion started really around uh, the family dining table at my uh, in-laws house. So my wife's parents, Rob and Kathleen, are the owners of discretion. Um, my wife, Brianna, works there. Her her brother, my brother-in-law, Lars, um, works there as well. And, you know, we had, well, Rob and Kathleen had been looking to start a family business for uh, a long time. And we had talked about all kinds of different um, industries and ideas to, to, to get into. And, you know, Lars had started homebrewing in his garage, um, like so many people. I knew there'd be yeah, a garage indeed. in there somewhere. Indeed. Um, and uh, we... Kind of Kathleen kind of said, well, what about a brewery? You know, we had all been really engaged in the, in the craft beer movement. You know, every road trip was plotting the, the breweries along the way and how far of a detour it was to get to them. And the more people we talked to in the industry, um, the more we realized, you know, we could, we could do this. We could offer something really special for, uh, the, for our community here in Santa Cruz. Um, let's do it. And so, you know, we started out, uh, we, we found the space at uh, 41st Avenue 
over there by Home Depot. And we, you know, put out really an international search for our brewmaster. We ended up finding uh, Michael Demers, who has been our brewer since day one. Uh, he's brewing excellent beer. He actually grew up in Scotts Valley, uh, lived in Colorado, started his professional brewing career over there, also started in a garage in the 80s. Um, and, you know, we, we've just had a lot of luck um, and we've been very well received. And, you know, we, we got into the industry at, at a really good time. So your title's Chief Emba- Brew Ambassador? Chief Beer Ambassador. Chief Beer Ambassador. Yeah. Okay, so then you work in lockstep with, with Michael? Um, you know, we, we, we collaborate, certainly. Um, you know, he's in charge of the production 100%, you know, scheduling that, figuring out the recipes, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, being a small family business, you wear a lot of hats. Um, my primary hat is uh, looking at outside sales and distribution and marketing. Um, and so, you know, he, Michael and I have to work very closely so I can kind of pre- try to predict what my sales are going to be for a given brand, you know, whether it's Simmer Pills or Uncle Dave's or IPA, and to make sure that, um, you know, he's brewing enough of it so I'm not going to run out. Um, you know, because, you know, Uncle Dave's takes like two and a half weeks. The Shimmer Pills takes about six weeks. So, you know, we need to be able to project pretty far out um, to make sure that we're, we're not running out and shorting our customers. So now... Tell us a little bit about the idea of kettle to to market, so to speak. I think a lot of people want to know exactly how this comes from the kettle or how it moves from the kettle out to the to the market. Because you're actually bottling, you're going out and 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 selling product to certain markets, right? Correct. Yeah. So you've got a retail component to your business too. Yeah. So you know, we uh, in the alcohol world, uh, there's three tiers um, that. That, we, that the, the industry is divided up into. Uh, there's the manufacturing tier, uh, the wholesale tier, wholesaler distribution tier, and the retail tier. Um, so, you know, in general, you think of a brewery as the manufacturer, you think of a wholesaler as the distributor, you know, in, in Santa Cruz here, um, you know, Couch and Elixir are the top two. Big beer big, trucks. Big, yeah, the big beer trucks. Um, and then you have the retailers, which are, you know, the little grocery stores or bars and restaurants um, that are selling that product directly to the consumer. Um, you know, in California, with the, the small beer license that we have, the Type 23, we're able to play all three tiers. So tell us about, a little bit about a, a Type 23 license. I understand there's several different types of licenses in the industry. Yes. So, you know, each state is pretty much tasked with regulating their own alcohol industry. Um, here in California, uh, for beer, there's really two um, license types to be able to manufacture beer. Um, and the, the, the one that we have at discretion is a Type 23 um, that enables us to manufacture beer on site um, and also allows us to self-distribute and also um, sell direct to consumers through our tap room. Um, and that license uh, allows us to make up to 60,000 barrels of beer in a year. Um, and if we were to go above that, which we're a long, long way from that, and I don't know if we ever will get to that that's mark. Big, that, that's, that's big volume. That's a big volume. So a barrel's what, 30? 31 gallons. 31 gallons. Wow, okay, so that's big volume. Yes. So you're currently, your your uh, business model right now is such that you have, uh, you have product actually for sale in the actual brewery yep the business people can actually purchase growlers right yeah you can come in you know you can buy pints you can buy growlers to take home you know we have several bottled options as well um so you can 
there's a myriad of ways you can you can purchase beer directly. Can, from us I was going to ask room. you that. Can you also sell directly through other are, are there mail order opportunities? Um, yeah, you know, I'm not entirely. I know that it's possible, um, but I. I'm not totally sure exactly on the legalities of that. I mean, obviously, wineries do it with wine clubs and stuff. Um, I know it's possible, but um, there are some loopholes that you have to kind of jump through to to make that uh, viable. And I know that there's a couple of breweries looking at doing that in the state um, and kind of having a beer club type of thing where, you know, you, you send out the, the UPS truck or whatever. So, so back to the licenses, um, of course, it is a legal talk show. So if I did beer tasting right away before we talked about the law, my co-host would never, <laughs> let, you know, I'd never be able to live it down. So uh, talk about the different licenses, like large-scale breweries. I'll introduce one name, Gordon Biersch. Right. So the Gordon Biersch, you know, they, they make well over 60,000 barrels of beer a year. So they, they have a, what's called a type 1. Um, which is just any beer manufacturer that uh, makes more than 60,000 barrels of beer, you know. Um, so you've got the Fremont Anheuser-Busch plant. Um, you know, again, that's a type one license that AB InBev has got in the state of California. Uh, somebody like Stone down in San Diego, another type one, um, you know. Uh, but somebody like, I think, I don't think like Drake's up in uh, San Leandro. I don't think that they're over that 60,000 barrels yet. You know, so they're still a type 23. They're a big brewery. They make a lot of beer and they have pretty good distribution throughout the state, um, but they're still within that uh, type 23. Okay. License. And then that, that type 23 license, uh, is that an ABC alcoholic beverage control? Is that the governing agency? Yes. Yes. So the, the ABC uh, um, regulates virtually all everything that we do with the exception of uh, excise tax. Okay. And then as far as regulation goes, does that also include inspections? Is it a heavily inspected industry? Um, you know, we, ABC just regulates kind of the trade practices um, uh, around alcohol um, and, you know, and other laws like, you know, underage drinking and overconsumption and, you know, a lot of other stipulations that come with the privilege of having uh, ABC license. Um, the health, the county health inspectors, you know, the state health agency essentially leaves health inspection to each individual county. So the health, that county health inspectors come through. And okay, just, so that, they, that's, they look that's for, tied to just regular yeah. F and B type right, inspections, exactly. right? All right, yeah. and, and and you do have a, a food component too that I want you to talk about when we come back from the break. We are coming up on on our first break here pretty soon, and when we return from the break, uh, Dustin, I want to ask you a little bit about the ingredients. What goes into this? You know, the heart and soul of it all. What goes on in the kettle? Um, what's happening behind the glass, <laughs> right? When people are right. sitting at the bar watching people with the boots, you know. That's where the uh, magic happens, yeah. for sure. Yeah, so uh, I'm curious to learn uh, what happens there and what really makes your product stand out. You're listening to Wagner and Winnick on the Law. We're going out on our first break. My guest today is Dustin Verander. He is the chief beer ambassador at Discretion Brewing. We'll be right back after this short break.
Deciding to go to law school brings up questions like, can I afford it? Will I be prepared to take the leap and open my own office when I graduate? I'm Wendy Law Revere, Dean of Admissions at Monterey College of Law. Have you ever dreamed of being a lawyer? We at Monterey College of Law can help make that dream come true with professors who are practicing attorneys and judges. They mentor our graduates. But don't take it from me. Hear what recent graduate Creighton Mandeville says. I wasn't crippled in debt coming out of Monterey College of Law. I came out of it with no debt. I was able to do some working during that time and some savings. So I exited law school with no debt. I did feel prepared coming out of law school. I started helping friends with the issues that came up for them. And Monterey College of Law has so many great faculties and things that there were resources for me. There's never been a better time to become a lawyer. Call us today at 582-4000. That's 582-4000. Or visit us online at montereylaw.edu. That's montereylaw.edu. For 45 years, the Boys and Girls Clubs of Monterey County have been a vital part of our community. The club's mission is to inspire and empower the youth of Monterey County to realize their full potential to become responsible, healthy, productive, and successful citizens. As just one of the club's programs, more than 12,000 children and families have enjoyed safe after-school care at the Boys and Girls Club's Salinas Clubhouse. Boys and Girls Club of Monterey County is very excited to announce that Monterey College of Law is providing one full tuition law school scholarship each year to a former Boys and Girls Club participant. For more information about this exciting opportunity, contact President and CEO Donna Ferrero at dferrero at bgmc.org or call 831-757-4412. Beginning with the Continental Congress in 1774, America's national legislative bodies have kept records of their proceedings. Did you know that these records are available to you online for free? This is Mitchell Winnick, co-host of Wagner & Winnick on the Law, with a reminder that there are times that you can take the law into your own hands. Congress.gov is the official website for the U.S. House of Representatives and the U.S. Senate. It is published by the Library of Congress and includes the public records of the U.S. Congress, the Government Publishing Office, and the Congressional Budget Office. Remember, members of Congress work for us, and if you want to see what they're doing, go to congress.gov and watch the actual sessions of Congress, or look up any law that's being proposed. That's congress.gov, C-O-N-G-R-E-S-S dot gov. Are you ready to start law school now? If you've just graduated from college or just thinking of changing your career, now is the time to take that first step. Slow College of Law is accepting applications for May 2016. The San Luis Obispo College of Law is an accredited branch of the Monterey College of Law School, founded 43 years ago. You can get a law degree from an accredited law school right here in San Luis Obispo. Their highly esteemed faculty is comprised of local judges and lawyers. San Luis Obispo College of Law classes are held conveniently in the evenings, and the campus is conveniently located in downtown San Luis Obispo. Let the professionals show you how to make becoming a lawyer a reality. Make today the first step in changing your life. Attend an information session and get answers to your questions. Call Dean of Admission Wendy Law Revere at 805-439-4096. Visit slowlaw.org for more information. That's slowlaw.org.
Welcome back to Wagner and Winnick on the Law. If you are just joining us, our topic today is brewing, breweries, and local brewing, actually. And we're fortunate enough to have as a guest today, Chief Beer Ambassador at Discretion Brewing, Dustin Vericker. And Dustin was nice enough to remind me uh, over the break that we should probably get into some tasting right now because of the temperature uh, of the <laughs> bottles that he's brought. Right, Dustin? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and let's do it in connection with uh, the love and, and all the hard work that goes into uh, producing the product. What goes on in the kettle? How do you make this stuff happen. You brought a Pilsner. Tell us what you brought today. Yeah, so today, you know, I brought the, th the three uh, main uh, varieties that we bottle. The uh, Shimmer Pills, the O Black Lager, and the Uncle Dave's Rye IPA. Uh, these are kind of three of our flagship beers, you could say. Uh, the Shimmer is definitely the one to start with. Um, it's my daily drinker and one of the beers that I'm most proud of that we do. So the Pilsner is a good one to start with. It is, definitely. So, so in terms of like the flight and the order, there might be some parallels to how you might do it while you're uh, drinking wine too then, right? Yeah, the yeah. Same, you honor the same kind to, of To uh, some extent, order. you know. Um, you know, obviously in wine, you're going to start from kind of lightest and um, smallest bodied. And you're going to go all the way through to kind of the heavy, dark. Okay, so you, you wouldn't know. want to start out with a porter because that would kind of bomb out your, right. your palate. And, 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 right? You know, in beer, there's, there's a lot of um, different types of uh, flavors and whatnot, obviously. And so, um, you know, we're not just looking from dark to light or light to dark. Um, there's also, you know, the bitterness factor um, in particular. So, you know, you might want to do a porter before you do an IPA um, because an IPA is going to have so much bitterness on the back end that it'll kind of blow out the, your taste buds for the porter. Okay, got it. So. All right. So let's start. Let's start with the pills. All right. Let's do All right. it. All right. Ah. Is that a good sound or what? See, now, Dustin, that's good radio. I like that. All right, so tell us about the Pilsner. What goes into this? What so, makes it? Yeah, the, the a Pilsner is, is a lager. So there's two main kinds of beer, uh, styles of beer in uh, in the world. Uh, there's ale, ales and lagers, um, and, and that's defined by the, the yeast strain that's used to ferment them. So obviously with the Pilsner, we're using a German lager yeast. Um, it, it's got a lot of Pils malt in it. Um, you know, it's just a very lightly roasted malt, very pale in color. Um, there's, you know, a fair amount of European variety, U.S. grown, but European variety hops. They give it this very nice, crisp, clean finish, kind of floral aroma. Um, it's a great beer for a sunny day like today, for sure. Yeah, so it's got a, a lighter texture to it. Uh, and with respect to the ingredients, you mentioned the, the yeast and... That has a lot to do with the end product, right? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So what goes in and what comes out? Talk a little bit about that, <coughs> about the process. Yeah, so, you know, we start with whole grain malted barley. Um, and, you know, the malting process, you, you take basically raw barley that you could throw in the ground. Um, and you get it wet and get it all excited and think it's spring and it wants to try to germinate. And then the maltsters are watching that process very closely. And just before it's about to sprout, they kiln dry it and uh, kill that process out. Um, and now you have this kernel with um, a ton of starts, starch and uh, enzymes ready to go to make all that starch sugar. Um, and then they'll roast it, that, that malted barley to different degrees to get different kinds of character and, and flavors. That go, all goes into uh, the first vessel in the brew, which is called the mash tun. Um, and you basically crack that grain open, mix it with hot water, 
and essentially make this sweet barley tea. Once you're done with the mashing process, you throw it over to the kettle um, where you boil it, and that's where you add your hops. Um, the hops that you add at the beginning of the boil add bitterness, and the hops that you end at the, the end of that boil add uh, flavor and aroma. Um, and then you put it through a heat exchanger, cool it down, throw it into a fermenter. That's where you add the yeast. The yeast eat up all that sugar that you made in the mash tun um, and turn all that sugar into ethanol, which is really why all of us love beer. Um, they, you know, if you wanted them to, the yeast could also provide the carbonation. Uh, we use forced carbonation at discretion so we can really dial in exactly the carbonation level that we want. And the process you're talking about now all goes on at discretion. It goes on right at our facility there at 41st Avenue. And then I assume there's a, a phase by which you would do a tasting to ensure that you've got the right yeah. and, uh, and, you know, mix. Our, our brewers are, um, they're, they're constantly monitoring uh, the fr primary fermentation in particular. You know, they're constantly taking gravity readings, doing some sensory analysis, you know, smelling, looking, um, slight tasting um, as, as the beer's fermenting to make sure everything's kind of on target. And then, of course, you know, right before we're going to put it into bottles or kegs, you know, we pull a sample and just make sure everything is is hunky-dory. So. It's a great tasting. The Pilsner is excellent. Thank you. I love it. Really good taste. And, and the sound of it, the bottle opening on air, of course, was epic. Indeed. Uh, so the, uh, the laws, let's go back to yes. that. Because on the break, we were talking about some of the, the stranger laws. Right. And uh, speak to, to some of those and share with our listeners what some of the strange laws connected to, to brewing. Yeah, well, you know, in I think one of the, the stranger ones that a lot of people probably don't know about um, is, you know, in California, it's actually illegal for a distributor or a beer manufacturer to deliver beer to a retail customer uh, on a Sunday, um, just flat out illegal. If, you know, a bar or restaurant had a super busy Friday, Saturday, they were totally out of beer, they call us up and say, hey, can you get us a keg? It's Sunday. And we're like, sorry, dude, it's uh, against the rules. You can come to our dock and pick it up, that's totally oh, fine. Oh, they can come to get yeah. it. But we can't deliver it. Um, so there was this kind of odd exception put in, I think probably by the, the distributors back in the day because they didn't want to have to work seven days a week. Interesting. Okay, and then what? how about the Tide House yeah, so laws? The, the Tide House laws are kind of interesting and um, you know, in some ways they maybe don't make a lot of sense in today's world and the way we're used to thinking about everything software as a service and Uber and all this stuff, you know. Um, but it goes back to, uh, you know, w the repeal of prohibition. The mafia had basically controlled the entire alcohol industry in, in the failed experiment. And um, I think the lawmakers were looking for a way to try to break up the mafia in particular. You know, and now that they were going to make it legalized, they didn't want this huge cartel that had basically um, total domination. Yeah, their the fingers in the, the entire right, pie. right. Um, you know, they had this vertical integration essentially in the whole alcohol industry. And so um, they decided to kind of follow um, a model that, that, that England had kind of developed where in England, it's legal to have tide. It was legal back then to have a tide house, which is, you know, you could think of um, a bar that was basically wholly owned or um, basically uh, bought, you know, by uh, one of the bigger beer companies. Um, and so they would only serve beers from that beer company. And then you had um, free houses that, you know, were independent and they could buy kegs and bottles from whoever they wanted. Um, and so the, the regulators um, 
at the federal level, encourage this, the states to all kind of adopt this tight house understanding um, to keep very clear delineations between alcohol manufacturers, alcohol distributors, and alcohol retailers. Um, they didn't want, they wanted those regulated uh, independently so yes. the different tiers or the segments well of they the didn't they d yeah and they didn't want overlap so that no one could wholly control the vertically okay the let's, let's pick back up on that topic when we come back you're listening to wagner and winnick on the law on the biz talk radio network and over voice america and we're talking about the beer industry and my guest today is dustin Vericker. he is chief beer ambassador at discretion brewing we'll be right back after this break Applying to Monterey College of Law is not hard, and we have a financial plan and class schedule that is tailored to meet your needs. I'm Wendy Law Revere, Dean of Admissions at Monterey College of Law. Have you ever dreamed of being a lawyer? We at Monterey College of Law can help make that dream come true without crippling you with debt on graduation day. I chose Monterey College of Law because I wanted to continue working during the day. I had children at home and I wanted to be able to go to school at night where it wouldn't impact what my children needed from me. There really is not crippling debt that you face afterwards. Monterey College of Law has a payment plan which is manageable and they work with you. The other huge benefit of Monterey College of Law is that the professors are judges and lawyers. By taking their classes, you really actually start networking. So I was very fortunate because I also ended up with a mentor. There's never been a better time to become a lawyer. Call us today at 582-4000 or visit us online at montereylaw.edu. For decades, the students at Monterey College of Law have graduated and gone on to pass the bar and become successful attorneys. However, not everyone goes to Monterey College of Law to become an attorney. I'm Wendy Law Revere, Dean of Admissions at Monterey College of Law. We also offer students our two-year Master of Legal Studies degree, which can enhance their chosen careers. I was working as a deputy coroner for San Mateo County as a death scene investigator, and I wanted a better idea of the legal issues that were involved in forensic investigations. Everything about Monterey College of Law was accommodating to the uh, course of study I was trying to find. I graduated from Monterey College of Law with no outstanding debt. I'm working as an investigator for the San Mateo County Private Defender's Office, performing indigent defense investigations. For more information, call us today at 582-4000. That's 582-4000. Or visit us online at montereylaw.edu. That's montereylaw.edu. If you are a small business owner, you're subject to many of the same laws and regulations that apply to large corporations. Where do you go for help? This is Mitchell Winnick, co-host of Wagner and Winnick on the Law, with a reminder that there are times that you can take the law into your own hands. SBA.gov is the website published by the Small Business Administration. It provides a wealth of information for small business owners, including employment and labor law, intellectual property law, online business laws and regulations, environmental regulations, workplace safety, and foreign worker eligibility. Of course, SBA.gov is not a replacement for having your own business attorney, but it is a free resource that may help you realize when you need to consult an attorney. SBA.gov. 
Have you thought about a law degree? Did you know you can attend an accredited law school right here in San Luis Obispo? And you can begin classes in May or in August. I'm Wendy Law Revere, Dean of Admissions of San Luis Obispo College of Law. San Luis Obispo College of Law is a branch of Monterey College of Law, an accredited law school established 44 years ago. At San Luis Obispo College of Law, we have convenient evening classes, Mondays through Thursdays from 6.30 to 9.30 p.m. We have a tuition rate guarantee program that freezes your tuition rate when you begin and protects you from annual tuition increases. We also have payment programs that allow you to make monthly payments or apply for private student loans. At San Luis Obispo College of Law, our faculty is composed of highly esteemed local lawyers and judges. If you've been thinking about a law degree, find out now if San Luis Obispo College of Law is your law school. Attend one of our information sessions and get answers to your questions. Or call me, Wendy Law Revere, at 805-439-4096. Visit slowlaw.org. That's slolaw.org. It is one thing to argue with your friends at the bar. But have you ever wondered what it would be like to argue in front of the United States Supreme Court? This is Mitchell Winnick, co-host of Wagner and Winnick on the Law, with a reminder that there are times that you can take the law into your own hands. Oye.org, spelled O-Y-E-Z dot O-R-G, is a website published by the Free Law Project at Chicago Kent School of Law. You can go to Oye.org and listen to 60 years of actual oral arguments at the United States Supreme Court. Written summaries are provided for cases that go all the way back to 1789. Oye.org also provides biographical information on every United States Supreme Court justice and offers an online tour of the Supreme Court building. Go to Oye.org to see if you have what it takes to present a winning argument. Welcome back to Wagner and Winnick on the Law. You're listening to us on the BizTalk Radio Network and over Voice America. Our guest today is Chief Beer Ambassador at Discretion Brewing, Dustin Vericker. And we've been talking about, uh, of course, Discretion Brewing. And if you have not been there, you should go there. I'm pretty sure most of our Santa Cruz County listeners have been there. It's on 41st Avenue across from Home Depot. Dustin, uh, we're talking about what goes into the product. Obviously, there's a lot of heart and soul and hard work. And there are certain things that must distinguish your product from others. There's other craft brew makers out there, right? I wanted to introduce the topic of sort of competition, if you will. Totally, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, we, we've been lucky enough, I think, certainly as a craft beer lover in, in the U.S. to have this kind of revolution happening right now in the craft beer um, world started in kind of 80s and is really coming to fruition right now. Um, but, you know, as an industry member and a person trying to sell my beer in the market, you know, there, there definitely is some steep competition to try to get tap handles or shelf space, um, you know, at the local Whole Foods or New Leaf or whatever So when you is, say so. try to get tap handles, I, I, what I'm hearing you say is you're trying to move your keg into the... Right, into the yeah. Room. And so, you know, I mean, pretty much unless it's a brand new location that just put in or they, you know, just put in a new draft cooler or something, I mean, to get your beer in there, something else has got to go, Right. Um, and f for a long time, you know, that's just been 
uh, you try to go after AB and Bev Miller Coors. Oh, okay, the now, big boys, now so. you find yourself probably having to compete with some of the other craft right. members that are in there, well, right? Yeah, because there's a lot of places that only carry craft. They don't even have Bud Light or you know Coors Light on the, in there. If you want to get your beer in there, you have to go after you know one of the smaller guys. Okay, um, so there's a there's a bit of a beauty contest aspect. Yeah, to it. you know, and so you have to have you have to have um, a product that. Um, stands up a you know i think that's the most important thing is to, to just make consistent quality beer um which we strive to do and we've we've really invested in the equipment to be able to do that speaking um, of which i think you've got one in the lineup that's yeah. one of your favorites right? right yes so the uh the shimmer pills for me is is um definitely my 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 go-to beer um uncle dave's or ipa is by far a bestseller um it's a super solid ipa you know we tried to make something that was in the uncle dave's in particular um which has done very, very well in the Santa Cruz market in particular. Um, but we tried to make a very well-balanced IPA rather than just go out and be all crazy on hops and bitterness. Um, we tried to kind of capture the essence of what everyone loves about the hop flower and its aromas and its flavor um, and pair it with this kind of complex, more complex, a little bit deeper malt profile. And the, um, you've got the O-Black Lager up next. Right, and the O-Black Lager as well, yeah. So that's a German style Schwartz beer. It's basically, it's another lager, obviously, by the name. Um, it's kind of the uh, Shimmer Pills darker, roastier cousin is kind of how I like to call it. Great. Let's give it a you taste. It. Yeah. So, so this is one that, that you've also uh, brought to market or you've got it on shelves. Yes, we do. Um, so it's in most of the local stores here in Santa Cruz. Um, and, you know, it's on tap at quite a few places. You know, a Schwartz beer or black lager obviously is not, um, it's not the most recognized style in, uh, in, in the industry. So, you know, and it's a dark beer. So it's, it's a slower seller by volume, okay. um, but it's a super quality beer. It's won a couple of awards, um, at, at various national, at the, at the national level, which is kind of cool. So when you um, passed me the Pilsner and we tasted it first, uh, I tasted it before looking at it. Right. I probably should have looked at yeah, it. Yeah, you know, right? the, the, the proper tasting profile is, you know, you want to look at it. You want to look at the color. You want to try to note the clarity. So if you can hold it up to the light, you know, you can kind of see how clear it is. Um, you want to note how how heady the beer is when it's poured, how long that, that head um, maintains in your glass. Um, you want to note the color of the head. And then you want to smell it. The smell is okay. So you the do. Next. So some of the you some of the things you do is you taste wine. You'd also do with beer. Exactly. There's some crossover. Yep. There is tasting you know, a proper rituals. way to kind of you know appreciate the beverage. All right. So. Let's give it a taste. All right. So we noticed. I mean, this beer is pretty dang dark. Obviously, in your cup. Um, it, it's got some nice roast up front, but it's got this very clean, light finish on it. Yeah, um, so a dark lager, that's, that's sort of, is that a, that's new to the industry, isn't it? Uh, you know, there's not a lot of people making them. There's some, but, you know, I mean, it's a style that's been made in Germany for hundreds yeah, of years. Yeah, in Ireland, so. Harp does one, right? right? Exactly. Guinness. You know, Guinness one. isn't a lager, but yeah. No, um, but Guinness, I, I thought Guinness yeah, yeah. Harp were the right, same. Right, there, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so um, they've got a dark Dark lager because I right. think most uh, most people associate lagers with being more clear. Right. Yeah, or light in color. Yeah, certainly. lighter in color. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there is a whole there's a whole range. It's so just because, so I got I'm I'm picking up kind of a nutty flavor here. Yeah. Yeah. You know you should be able to get some kind of bittersweet chocolate a little bit maybe. 
um, some kind of light espresso notes. Um, but it's also got this very clean, refreshing finish on it. Yeah, that's great. And you know what I, it's kind of hard to do a tasting obviously on the radio, but I think we just need to use adjectives and adverbs so as to let listeners understand what's going on. Indeed. We don't have any food here, right. but I wanted to talk about that because totally. in, in preparation, we talked about the idea of pairing beers with food. And I invited you to consider the idea that, you know, uh, wines pair with food and there's a lot of emphasis in, uh, in viticulture and in the winemaking industry of pairing certain wines with foods. And I wondered why pairing beers with food isn't uh, also as popular. You know, I, I, I think that the, uh, it's it's coming there. It, it's getting there. Um, th- th- there's a lot of kind of high-profile restaurants that are starting to really stock, um, pay a lot of attention to their beer list. You know, it used to just be kind of like, ah, whatever, distributor would just bring me whatever. And now, you know, the people, higher-end restaurants are being very, very, very selective in the beers that they bring in. And, you know, some are even offering beer pairing um, options on their menu. Um, a lot of, you know, I know Swap Downtown is doing um, a, a big beer dinner uh, with another local brewery, Sante Darius, here. I think it's tomorrow, maybe. Um, but, you know, it's definitely becoming something that's more at the forefront of the consumer's mind. It just takes a lot of education on, you know, kind of our part as brewers um, to kind of convince the restaurants and also the consumers that, you know, beer is actually an elevated beverage. Um, it's not, you know, the kind of yeah, I think bland... There's there's probably some image issues associated right. with it, right? Uh, and obviously tradition, you know, calling for the sommelier to work through the wine list right. and to get or the wine steward to get you know uh, detailed information about the varieties that are offered. But I, I'm pretty sure the same can be true or said with beers too. I was sharing with you the idea of you know my wife and I being up in uh, the Point Reyes area and doing barbecued oysters right. and, and having different types of beers, and they were just the pairings were great. Totally, yeah. Um, and you know, I think I think beer is a very very versatile beverage to pair food with um, just because of the range of flavors and um, and profiles that you can get in beer um, you know you can't get a dark roasty wine you know you can't you can't get um, you know this super funky crazy saison you know flavor and stuff um, so there's there's a lot of there's there's a lot of flavors in beer that, that you can't get with wine you know I think one of the other problems with beer is it's too cheap. <laughs> You know, um, so you just think of it as your barbecue food. And then when you actually sit down for the meal, you want something more elevated and more expensive. Yeah, no, that's a good point. That's a good point. How about ingredients? And just because this might give you an opportunity to weave in some law, too. What kind of laws are out there that that you find you need to be well versed on from a labeling standpoint? Yeah, you know, I mean, there's, you know, the beer world, we're regulated... um, to some degree at the federal level and then to a greater degree at the at the state level. So um, at the federal level, we have the, the, the TTB, Tax and Trade Bureau, um, that, that regulates alcohol um, labeling um, and, an alcohol, and it regulates, uh, they're the, the regulatory agency that collects uh, the excise tax. So it's not the IRS, it's actually the TTB that we pay um, $7 a barrel um, to at the federal level. Um, but... You know, they, they have, I've actually printed out this list just because it's kind of interesting of if, if you're adding a, a non-traditional ingredient, as they call it, um, to your beer or a non-traditional process um, to your beer, you have to submit uh, what's called a formula for, for that uh, particular beer. 
Um, and this is very detailed, very onerous form that you have to fill out explaining exactly what you're doing, exactly what you're using, how you're doing it, and all this stuff. Um, but the, the Brewers Association has been very successful in expanding this list of things that are exempt. So, you know, just on the first list, you know, I hear these things are exempt now from um, having to do this formula thing, agave, allspice, anise, uh, basil, black currants, blood oranges, uh, capsium, candy, brown sugar, you know, so... Okay, it, so those are, would be the ubiquitous or commonly used... Right, so now, you know, and that list has grown quite a bit over the last few years uh, thanks to lobbying efforts on the BA saying, look at all, like, how many of these formulas do you get with these ingredients on them? Like, do you really want to have to go through all this paperwork? This is becoming, you know, a standard ingredient now. Um, but, so that's one thing um, on the ingredient side. And then, you know, for us, um, we actually use 100% organic ingredients in our beer. Um, but we can't actually label organic because we're not certified. Let's um, pick back up on that topic when we come back. You're listening to Wagner and Winnick on the Law on the Biz Talk Radio Network and over Voice America. My guest today is Chief Beer Ambassador from Discretion Brewing, Dustin Vericker. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Making a change in career is a serious decision that affects both you and your family. You have many questions that need to be answered before you can make a commitment. I'm Wendy Law Revere, Dean of Admissions at Monterey College of Law. Have you ever dreamed of being a lawyer? We at Monterey College of Law can help make that dream come true. And it's affordable. But don't take it from me. Hear what recent graduate Dan Cullum says. Before I was entering law school, I was an airline pilot. After I retired, I decided that I would go to law school. Monterey College of Law was the avenue to fulfill that desire. I loved Monterey College of Law. It was small classes. The professors were very helpful, personal. You could talk to them. Tuition is not exorbitant at Monterey College of Law, which is the opposite of the way it is at other places. It's affordable. They have a, a program at Monterey College of Law that lets you pay as you go, so it's financially possible. There's never been a better time to become a lawyer. Call us today at 582-4000 or visit us online at montereylaw.edu. Long before Woody's cruised Beach Street, kids and teens have needed to know that they are important and that they belong. Since 1969, the Boys and Girls Club of Santa Cruz has provided a place where potential is released and great futures are forged. Help celebrate our 45th anniversary by emailing your club memories and pictures to celebrate 45 years at boysandgirlsclub.info or call 423-3138, extension 23. We are also excited to announce that Monterey College of Law is providing one full tuition law school scholarship each year to a former Boys and Girls Club participant. Contact Executive Director Bob Langseth at 423-3138, extension 21, or email bob at boysandgirlsclub.info to learn more about this exciting opportunity. Consumer scams, fraud, deceptive business practices. Where do you go for protection? This is Mitchell Winnick, co-host of Wagner & Winnick on the Law, with a reminder that there are times that you can take the law into your own hands. FTC.gov is the website published by the Federal Trade Commission. As the nation's consumer protection agency, the FTC wants to know about businesses that cheat people out of money. 
If you've been the victim of consumer fraud, you should file a complaint at FTC.gov. Although the FTC's Bureau of Consumer Protection will not help you recover your individual damages, your complaint may initiate an investigation that results in companies or individuals being sued by the government for fraud, deceptive practices, or unfair business practices. If you want more information about how to protect yourself as a consumer, go to the Bureau of Consumer Protection at FTC.gov. Are you ready to start law school now? If you've just graduated from college or are thinking of changing your career, now is the time to take that first step. Slow College of Law is accepting applications for May 2016. San Luis Obispo College of Law is an accredited branch of the Monterey College of Law School founded 43 years ago. You can get a law degree from an accredited law school right here in San Luis Obispo. Their highly esteemed faculty is comprised of local judges and lawyers. San Luis Obispo College of Law classes are held conveniently in the evenings, and the campus is conveniently located in downtown San Luis Obispo. Let the professionals show you how to make becoming a lawyer a reality. Make today the first step in changing your life. Attend an information session and get answers to your questions. Call Dean of Admissions Wendy LaRiviere at 805-439-4096. Visit slowlaw.org for more information. That's slowlaw.org. The U.S. Constitution has recently created national headlines in the debate about filling the vacancy created by the sudden death of Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia. The president and certain members of Congress are at odds about what the Constitution requires when there's a vacancy on the Supreme Court. Who is right? And how can everyday citizens be informed enough to know the answer? This is Mitchell Winnick, co-host of Wagner and Winnick on the Law, with a reminder that there are times that you can take the law into your own hands. ConstitutionCenter.org is a website published by the National Constitution Center. The center was established by Congress to provide information about the United States Constitution on a nonpartisan basis. If you want information about the Constitution's history and what it means today, go to constitutioncenter.org and form your own opinion about the law. Welcome back to Wagner and Winnick on the Law. If you are just joining us today, we're talking about brewing and the brewing industry. And our guest today is Chief Beer Ambassador from Discretion Brewing, Dustin Vericker. I'm solo today. Mitch is taking a little bit of time off. But I'm definitely not alone because Dustin brought some friends in the form of three different versions of his product. And Dustin, let's talk about Uncle Dave's, the IPA. Yeah, so Uncle Dave's is... Is a rye IPA. It's a, the IPA we opened with. Um, it's a very well balanced IPA as far as IPAs go. It's got this very delicious, complex malt profile underneath all the hop aroma and bitterness. Um, it's by far our best seller and has an insanely fo- loyal following here in Santa Cruz. And so, before we do the opening and yeah. get that sound on air, I do want to weave in some law because I want to talk about potency, alcohol content, and that idea and what laws are impacted. Is there a rule that says alcohol can't be a certain, it can't rise above a certain alcohol content? Yeah, you know, so for beer, there there is no defined, you know, if it's over this alcohol percent, it's not, it's no longer beer. 
Um, it's but it's all in how how it's made. You can't distill. So you can't distill. So you know, um, you know, and the way we generally think of still uh, or distilling, you know, is you actually have the still where you boil off um, the alcohol and you, you capture it and. Um, but, the, you know, there's another way um, would be to freeze it. You can ice distill, which, you know, some of the, the Nordic countries have a tradition of ice distilled, uh, ice distilled beers. Um, an Eisbach, for example, in Germany, um, you, you would make it in winter and kind of leave it out, let it freeze. You take that ice out, and that's the water. So all of a sudden you're left with a much stronger beer. And I know, um, I can't remember the beer right now, but the shoots, I think maybe it was Jubilee, the 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 way that that beer came around for them was, um, I think one of their brewers had left a keg out. I knew you were going to yeah. say it's the accident right, right. factor, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they accidentally froze this keg, um, and the, the you know all the water froze up to the top of the keg. They were pulling out um, from the bottom of the keg, and they were like, "This is way stronger than what we put yeah, in yeah. here." What the heck happened? And they yeah. figured out that it had frozen and it was delicious. Um, you know, completely, you know, they couldn't ever sell that keg to a consumer. Right, right. Um, but it gave them the idea, well, hey, if we try to make this beer stronger, you know, kind of keep the, the all those malt profiles exactly the same and scale it up a little bit, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be good with something. Um, but, you know, there's, there's, there's no, like, top end of, you know, at this ABV, it's no longer beer, it's something else. Um, as long as you're doing it through natural yeast fermentation. As you open that, Uncle Dave, let's give it a test and talk a little bit about the idea of IPAs. They, they do generally have a little bit of a higher uh, alcohol content, correct? Um, in general, in, yeah. In the, general? Style, the style should be probably above 6%. Um, you know, and you know, if you're going up to a double, triple, whatever, imperial, you, know, you, could, you could easily find 11 12% IPAs, which are not really my preference. Um, you know, I like it in below seven is generally where I, I, I like it. Um, if it's well done, you know, somewhere in the sevens is okay. So you've adjusted um, those in, as part of the process. Yeah, yeah, you know. Um, and so, you know, Uncle Dave's, you know, is very clear, but you can kind of see that darker color for an IPA. It's got this nice kind of ruddy copper color to it. Um, super clear. We filter it. Um, you know, the head's got this beautiful kind of white frothiness. You know, we're doing this in a, in a plastic cup. And it dawned on me, is there an optimal way to taste beer? You know, like there is in wine, there's certain right. globes or types of totally. glasses. Um, you know, it depends on the style of beer that you're drinking, certainly, just like with wine. Um, you know, plastic isn't maybe the best, but, you know, it's the most portable. Yeah, so yeah. It's easiest. Um, but, you know, as long as you've got a little bit of a, a bulb on your, on your glass, any beer is going to do, you know, because you're going to be able to capture all that aroma that... Um, that either the yeast are throwing off, or the hops, or the malt. You know, it's a very complex beverage. So yeah, no, it's got a great taste to it. So what are what are the notes or the accents that we're tasting here? What's 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 in here that makes it stand out? What's unique about it? Um, you know, the the most unique thing about this IPA in particular, I think, is the malt profile. Honestly, it's it's got about sixteen percent rye, or just over sixteen percent rye. Um, that contributes this kind of dry, peppery note uh, on the finish, in particular. Um, and there's quite a bit of. Uh, crystal malt in here that gives it that color um, and that, that kind of sweetness underneath all that hop, that citrusy hop goodness. So there's tons of tropical fruit aromas. Um, you know, I kind of get like orange zest and uh, some grapefruit as well on the nose. So um, this this is offered on tap at 
at your store on 41st, right? Yeah, always. Um, we, we, if we're ever out at Uncle Dave's, we're, we're You're in, in trouble. trouble. So. Okay, so it's got a following. It does. Right. Um, and, you know, it's it's by far our best beer, selling beer on the wholesale side as well. Um, it's It's become a... In some ways, it's kind of become Santa Cruz's IPA. You know, so we're, we're winding down to our segment. Time flies when you're tasting beer, of course. But I, I have to ask you about camaraderie among industry players. Absolutely. Share a little bit about that. Yeah, you know, the, the brewing industry is kind of unique um, in that, you know, it's an industry with a lot of, with kind of a high competitive factor. Um, there, you know, there's a limited number of tap handles, a limited number of shelf space uh, for your bottles to go. Um, and there's a lot of competition in the marketplace. But... You know, brewers, we generally really don't take ourselves too seriously. Um, you know, we, we enjoy making what we make, and we enjoy drinking what we make, and we enjoy drinking what other people are making. Um, and, you know, I mean, just anecdotally, you know, there's been a couple times where we were low on a certain hop, and we were able to, to get together with, a you know, uh, another local brewery. So you can call to, to another, us hey, we're out of hops. hops. Yeah, and, you know, another brewery, you know, their, their yeast didn't show up, and they said, hey, can we borrow some yeast? Sure, come on over, grab some yeast, you know. Um, and, and and we know, you know, if we have an issue with some kind of production method or whatever, you know, where, hey, can you help me figure out what the heck's going on here? Um, and you, we, brewers are very friendly. Yeah, um, that's great. So it's 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 a great industry to be a part of. That's good. Um, good to hear. I, I figured you were going to say that. I'm glad to hear it. You confirm my belief that there is camaraderie and good absolutely. rapport among all the players. No that's question. great. Well, Dustin, thanks for being our guest today. And, and uh, before I close, let, let our listeners know where they can find your product and, of course, where they can find your store. Yeah. So, you know, the Discussion Brewing is located at 2703 41st Avenue, uh, just up on the mountainside of Highway 1, uh, across the street from the Home Depot, back behind the two furniture stores. You know, we're on tap at over 85 places here in Santa Cruz County. Uh, we're on the shelves at um, most of your local grocery stores and markets. As Got well. a website? Uh, discussionbrewing.com. Excellent. Thanks a lot, Dustin. We hope to have you back again, okay? Thanks, Steve. Thanks for another uh, edition, and thanks for listening to Wagner and Winnick on the Law again. Please remember that you can visit our website, www.wagnerandwinnick.com, and you can uh, follow links on our website to learn about uh, future shows and, of course, archive past shows. As we close, I will borrow Mitch's line in the dismount and remind you that if you don't know the law, know a lawyer. in a forum with judges, lawyers, and policy experts answering your questions and discussing your personal rights within the legal system. Law School Dean Mitchell Winnick, along with law professor Stephen Wagner, will discuss the sometimes ever-changing laws and policies to keep you in the know. Listen every Thursday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 